At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Previously on Shadowband Syndicate, Juan, Sean, and Joel went deeper than the Titan submarine on Peter Joseph's Zeitgeist movies in a thrilling battle between Jesus and Horus that left many listeners on the edge of their butt cheeks. Who was Peter Joseph seemed to resonate with the crew to the point it seems as though he could have been a complete psyop or at the least a useful idiot. It was a fascinating journey of religion, conspiracies and mystery which begs the question, what is next for the crew? Find out this and more on this week's episode of Shadowband Syndicate. turn-of-the-century weird fiction fans, but there's this guy named H.P. Lovecraft, who's a very famous American weird fiction author. And he exposed a, a view which is called cosmicism. And the essence of cosmicism is cosmic indifference. So he, what he was saying is basically, yes, there are these massively intelligent entities out there, but they're not good, they're not evil. They just don't give a shit about you even in the slightest. The same way that you don't care about an ant is the same way they're not going to care about you. And these things that we're summoning into the world now are not demons, they're not evil, but they're more like the Lovecraftian great old ones. There are entities that are not necessary. Okay, so no matter how I put it, it doesn't want to finish. Like It starts to skip out and stuff like that. But did you catch that? These things that we're summoning into this world now they're not good. They're not evil. They don't care about you how you don't care about an ant. Did you catch that part? The things that we're summoning into this world. So that's going to set the tone really for this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Shadow Band Syndicate, where we are Shadow Band like a mofo. And I'm joined by Sean Chris and Joel Thomas. Two guys with two first names. I mean, what can I say? I'm I'm surrounded <laughs> by these people. So what's up, guys? You know, just uh welcome back. <laughs> Joel, you're muted, bro. Oh, I thought he was just cussing up a storm. I wasn't sure. Yeah, no, I'm here. Hey guys. Yeah, I'm having a blast. What what you think about that, bro? You, these things we're summoning into this world now. I like it. 
and I like it because I've been knocking around this new idea about uh, Elohim here lately and what that can mean, um, you know, from a biblical perspective, you know, uh, Psalm 82, one Elohim judge the Elohim. And we start wondering about what, what these other gods are, right. And you were just talking about the indifference of, of gods is what the guy was talking about, right. This indifference. And it kind of makes sense from the aspect of, it seems like angelic beings do have a pretty invested, uh, nature when it comes to mankind. It seems like they were created to, you know, intercede with us, intercede on our behalf, whether they're good or evil at this point. I don't think that that's what those entities are, but maybe it's these Elohim. And I started knocking around this idea, Juan, that if there's parallel universes, if there are other versions of this universe, what if these Elohim are kind of like middle management? You know what I mean? Like each one kind of has its universe that it's in, in control over. And maybe some of those Elohim aren't necessarily great. Maybe some of them are really good. We don't know. I don't know how that operates in that space of, you know, space time continuum. But that's just an idea I've been knocking around that, you know, maybe they are like this kind of uh, upper tier for the universe. You got one for each universe and they're kind of part of this divine council. And maybe we are messing around and yanking some of them in here. Or maybe some of their middle management's getting yanked in here. I don't know how the jerking them off in here into our dimension. Is that, is it that seems like on? that's probably what we're doing, and we're just spraying uh, plasma loads <laughs> left and right. Or what they're like hanging on each other, man. You know what I'm saying? They're like, "What's up, homie? This is my universe. Hey, we're fucking fucking. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know, man. Like, we could be banging on like, man. Hey, well, homie, this shit wrong universe, dog. Like, man, you better check yourself, homie. Like, in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, real quick before we get deeper into it, you can find me tjojp.com. Where can people find you, beautiful homunculus? <laughs> Killthemockingbirds.com. You can get access to everywhere else on social media. But if you want to get to where you can contact us or see what we upload every day, go to Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram. Uh, Van Tessel Music on Instagram, Sean Chris Music on Instagram, Sean Chris or Joel Thomas on all streaming platforms, and you can find the podcasts anywhere too. And you can also check us out on OnlyFans coming soon uh, for a discount just to put uh, tight butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode, Technology and the Occult, I'm going to probably name it something else because I did, I did a little snippet on – Chris Matthews for a bit of knowledge news where I kind of covered some of the things we're going to be talking about today, but I'm going to go, we're going to go obviously go deeper on today's episode, but we have right technology in the occult. Now, as of lately, the UFO phenomenon, UAP phenomenon has been hot in the media and real hot. Real hot. So you had, I covered it where the dude was like, yeah, the one you guys just did cattle mutilations on your other show. Well, the ones that are conducting the catamulations and the abductions and the lure, well, Greer said, hey, those are actually man-made synthetic humanoids that we constructed to do that, okay? So it's like, wait a minute, are you saying that the the alien agenda is a homunculus phenomenon, probably? A homunculus disclosure? Because is that what they're getting at, right? We're having all this em- synthetic embryo and all this other stuff coming out as well. At the same time, they're also passing the new the the lab grown meat that they're going to authorize for them to sell it to us so we're going to be getting some hamunk meat 
if you will, right? Hitting the hmm. shelves here soon. So it's all very weird that it's all coming out all at the same time. Sean? No, yeah, that's funny you say that because I was looking through a lot of the DARPA stuff, looking mm-hmm. through different, like, things. And one of the things they have is lab-grown lab blood. Like, they were growing, like, cell from other cells. It was blood farming is the process of creating red blood cells DARPA? from cell source in a lab. Rather, Yeah, DARPA. What DARPA? Oh, because DARPA's like an umbrella, right? And then you got DARPA, and then you got a whole bunch of subsidiaries underneath that, right? Yeah, uh, and they and, and what they got is they are creating their own blood, man. Like, they're growing it in labs. They're from other cells. The same thing that they're doing with this lab-grown meat, mm-hmm. they've been doing with blood. And there's other things... Because when you said homunculus, that's funny. They also have that. It's kind of funny. They have like this self houses that could grow and heal themselves. And you know how you always say homunculuses are like corporations and buildings and stuff. It's just another part of like this weird engineering that mm-hmm. that's going on underneath the surface. Like, yeah. you know, we hear like MK Ultra, all that, th- those main things. But there's a lot, a lot of where they're growing limbs. They have this like artificial limbs that are coming from uh, embryos and things that are sticking together. But the blood cell one, the blood was very, very weird to me because, you know, we always talk about the adrenochrome and things like that. But this seems like they're using the blood to build something. Right. And you just said that they have all these bodies. We, uh, Joel talks about meat sacks. What are you filling them with? Yeah. And the catamutilation yeah, no. phenomenon is such a weird thing. Right. It's such a weird thing that happens like. Who, if it is a person, why would you even do that? And not only that, but the precision in, in which it happens. And then the circumstances revolving around that that body after the fact is really bizarre. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I really think that this like Nephilim portal baby theory of meat sacks that I have is very similar to your homunculus idea as well. Like, I think they're mm-hmm. creating these little men and they're just hosts they're hosts to host these demonic entities that can take over and do what the government thinks is their bidding. But obviously there's a hierarchy that's above that too. And I think there's a select few that know exactly what that is uh, when it comes to what they're doing. But yeah, these calculations are crazy. You know, one of the, one of the uh, theories uh, that I've been knocking around too is like, where's the blood going, right? What's it, what's it being used for? And one of the things that I've, heard some guys say in certain circles and that I've kind of taken on board too is, you know, the blood is being used in tanks to grow these Nephilim in a different area. They're going to need something big enough. It's almost like an embryonic chamber that they could be using for this, uh, for this blood. So it's just an idea, but it kind of makes sense if you've got these demonic entities that are coming down you know, uh, taking cattle, taking women, taking men. And generally speaking, it's always sexual. It's something clinically uh, sexual about it. It's not fun. It's just very clinical, methodical and cold. And I think that when you're looking at those type of things, I think you are dealing with uh, demonic entities at that point. You're not dealing with something that's, uh, you know, organic. At yeah. least not in the way that we know. Yeah, they're like, I got another kind of sack for you, Sean. Yeah. And they, they probe you <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, the houses that can grow and heal themselves, it's called engineering living materials. The concept of engineering living materials was to create materials that could grow, heal themselves, and adapt to their environments through time. It was pretty much the same concept of how fungus could grow and feel the shape of mold mm. from after being fed with uh, a waste. So basically... 
the same concept. So if you take that concept though, away from the house, right? Like they're talking about a house, but I'm thinking of it more of constructing a person, like alchemy. Like they're mm-hmm. doing things in with that blood, the cow mutilation. Maybe they are harvesting that cells, or maybe that's part of what they're getting the cells, the blood cells from, to create this new being. And it goes a lot back when we talk about like Bigfoot and all these cryptids, how we've said like, yeah, that they may also be from other dimensions and portals, but I think there's a big faction of them that are also man-made. So mm-hmm. I want it. The reason I'm bringing this up because keep in mind, right. The, the vacay, the cow, the cow aspect of it, it's very similar, you know, to a human kind of sort. It's like a, like a cow is like a big dog, right? I would say pigs are the closer in anatomy to humans than than a cow would be but this cow i've seen in occultism where they use the cow for ritualistic purposes and then you see the worship of the cow in different religions the cow is also associated with the bees we know that the masons also use the bee in their symbolism and i found other correlations there too but the reason i'm bringing this up is because number one we're gonna be talking about technology and eventually down the road right you have the the regular circuit board computer type of thing and then they kind of sort of it turns into a transhumanism type of thing where they want to fuse the machine with the biological entity okay so you shove the computer in your ass you insert it into the anus and you become the thumb drive of you are you be so because imagine when elon comes out with that sort of stuff how many people are going to be like hey you know sean they're going to go up to you be like okay it's it's like you know you insert it and you're going to be like oh it's like the butt plug i already have so you are, I know you're already used to it, so you just shove it right. And then you become this human computer. You know, it's like the Faustian pack. What are you willing to give up? Well, you might have to give up, loosen your cheeks up a little bit, and then you'll get, you know, knowledge. Instantaneously, you can download movies. You can text. I can text you guys by just thinking about it. So I'll be the supercomputer, right? But it's the fusing of this technology with the biological. So if these alien extraterrestrials are demonic entities okay how a lot of people like to say that they are what if they present themselves as technologically advanced because they need the technology in order to manifest themselves in our realms so therefore they would be technologically advanced yes because they need the technology in order to manifest so we have all this ai talk we have right you have geordie rose talking about summoning things into our into our into our existence he's also there's other clips of him talking about how they extract information from alternate dimensions and parallel dimensions this guy okay and i'm going to show you guys some slides here in a little bit where they kind of they they lean real hard into the demonology aspect of almost like a <laughs> yeah you guys are just conspiracy theorists well from what I've learned, sometimes these occultists hide things in plain sight, hidden in plain in plain sight. So again, when and also the technology aspect of it, Johannes uh, uh, Trithemius, he was the father of cryptography. He talked about how right you can encode a, a text, right, and one person will read it one way, and another person will read it completely different. And what's the difference between the two people? Well, one's initiated, and the other one isn't. Okay, so they can extract way more information from these symbols because they've been initiated into the mysteries. So we have to take that into account whenever we see the mainstream media pushing certain things that make no sense to us. It might not make sense to us, but it makes sense to them. And by them, I mean the people in the know. And by the people in the know, I'm talking about right that big group of people. I, I was the Ice Cube came out recently and was like, 
They don't like it when you're not part of their club, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and that really pisses them off. Well, what club is he talking about? And that's the club I'm referring to, right? The people in that, that control uh, this reality. Maybe they are interdimensional. Maybe they are lizard people. Who knows? But they are tapped into something that the regular layman is not tapped into. Okay, so that's why I brought up the alien extraterrestrial phenomenon because they're pushing that real hard right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, maybe they are technologically advanced because from my research, the occult and technology go hand in hand. So, Or or maybe they want us to think that they are because maybe te- technologically wise, they are more advanced. But as far as beings wise, I think we are higher on the, the yeah. higher art. Spiritually, I think spiritually spiritually, And so they Mm -hmm. want us to be in fear Mm -hmm. Because the only way that I will subscribe To AI taking over is If it's some kind of demonic force The only other way is just the stupidity of people I was reading an interesting article earlier About the cult cult of magic And stuff and talking about LARPing And how they kind of like Fake the funk, uh, would you say the Fake the funkadelic (laughs) Just to really get People to get in that mindset Because now it's real they may it's not real yet until we manifest it to be real and i think there has yeah. to be a number of us that think it's real like if we think there's a deadly invasion uh maybe 20 to 50 percent of us whatever that threshold is once we reach that threshold it's gonna happen it's called the hun- hundred homunculus do. homunculus effect is <laughs> that's what it's called that's what i've heard it referred to as so any so this is arthur c clark any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic and this is a guy who helped write 2001 Space Odyssey, considered the prophet of the space age and part of the big three of science fiction, which I forgot who the other two were. But Arthur C. Clarke talking about how magic and technology are indistinguishable from each other. OK, so. Hey, that goes into even the MCU movies, man. I remember that first Thor movie where they met with Thor and he was talking to them about magic because everything he does is magic. And he said, it's not magic. He said, it's just technology that you don't understand. He's like, we're just more advanced than you. And I think there is a, a large case for that. I think even when you're talking about telepathy or telekinesis, things like that, I just think that's a part of the spiritual brain that most of us don't access anymore that I think that was always supposed to be a part of how we operated on this earth. And I think that, you know, with fluoride and everything else that they've done to dumb us away from it, I think it's been tougher and tougher as the years have come. But I agree with Sean. Like, I think that it, it is these beings that want to project this fear on us and say that we're not strong enough, that we need them, that we need this stuff. When I don't think that's the case at all. I don't think that we were ever supposed to be disconnected to God. One, two, uh, if you believe in any kind of scripture at all, like we were actually set a little lower than God. If you actually read the read the transcript in the Bible in the Hebrew, it doesn't say that we were made a little lower than angels. We we're made a little lower than God. So when you think about it, uh, angelic beings are actually lower than us. They might have all this supernatural power, but what did we have before we got disconnected from all that spiritual power too, when you think about it, right? So if you're looking at it as time goes, you've got this select group of elites who are tied in with some of these fallen ones who have access 
access to this power in a negative way and they want to keep it for themselves. They want to keep these bloodlines themselves and they want to be able to take over us with technology, man. This goes to all about this technocracy that's been pushed uh, since, you know, the early 1900s. And I think that's kind of what we're moving in towards now. And I think that's maybe where you've seen these resets, maybe like the Sumerians said every 3,600 years where these resets came because technology got out of control. So I think we're kind of moving towards that direction. But I do agree with Sean because he and I talk about this. Like it might not be imminent within the next five years, right? It could be way down the road. We don't know. We don't really know how that's going to go. But I do think that that's where we're moving towards. And I do think these entities, they need us to play a part in it. They can't do it themselves. This isn't about them doing it themselves. If they could do it themselves, they'd already done it. Agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have here Charles Babbage, which is considered the father of the computer. Now, I'm going to be focusing on fairly recent people, 18th, 19th century, which is really not that long ago. So I'm not really talking about ancient history. I'm talking about pretty recent, right, in the timeline, if you, if you want to believe mainstream history. So we're talking about the father of the computer. He was an English polymath, mathematician, philosopher, inventor, and mechanical engineer. Now, his whole thing, his whole philosophy was the central question that rather there was evidence of deity or a deity from the apparent design seen in nature. So the organization of everything else, how we see all these, right, the Fibonacci sequence and all these things, is that proof that there is an intelligible deity or an intelligible force within everything else running the program, running the simulation, running the script, an engineer, an architect, whoever, an alchemist, whoever outside of that. And they wanted to prove that through design now an interesting aspect of this guy charles babbage is that they were trying to encompass multiple things that could be done with one computer so back then it was one machine for one thing you know one machine for punching your your time stamp card whatever it was one machine for doing solving one one equation the other they wanted to encompass a general use computer how we have today and this is what he was set out to do now it says here, as a student, Babbage was also a member of other societies, such as the Ghost Club, concerned with investigating supernatural phenomenon. And then something that I couldn't really, I don't know what this part was, but he calls it, and the Extractors Club, dedicated to liberating its members from the madhouse, should any be committed to one. And then they put at the end, legally or illegally taken out of the madhouse. So I'm like, what, what were these dudes messing around with that they were like, yo, we're going to break you out of the insane asylum legally or illegally if, if any of us they had like a little posse okay point being charles babbage was talking about the paranormal the supernatural to the extent that he tried to summon the devil and i have evidence to where i think he might have succeeded again back to this faustian pact of you summon mephistopheles and you make a pact with that demon in order for unattainable knowledge, knowledge that is not of this existence, that is far beyond your comprehension that you would never understand, almost like what's going on with AI now, where it's being painted in that limelight. In my opinion, I don't think it's as sophisticated as they're making it seem. The stuff available to us, now the stuff available to the higher ups, I think is a little bit different, but then you start to work you start to get into the realm of working with other entities and, and demonic and go goetic magic or whatever it is that you want to call it. Cause I think that we've been fascinated. I'll go on a limb to say, Sean, 
that the first supercomputer was the homunculus because part of the lure of the of the homunculus is that it would prophesize to you it would show you all things hidden right so it was like a little companion almost like an alexa or whatever you know insert or a siri whatever it was the blood and bones version of that to where you would ask it a question and there was also stories where they would hold seances with homunculus to prophesize and at times they would come true whatever the little homunculus was saying there's stories about this so in 1864 he wrote about trying to summon the devil as a young boy and it's in his book passages from the life of a philosopher and this reminds me of the story of jack parsons again another person at the forefront of science science uh, revolution if you will or science pushing this science narrative right uh, Jack Parsons, who also allegedly tried to summon the devil as a little boy when he was 13 or 14 years old. So again, there's a pattern going on here. Now, is it something on the outside of existence trying to influence these minds in order to help them manifest in this realm? I don't know. There's also that possibility, which I like. And one thing that's really interesting. So this was this was his his engine, which his his son built it after the fact. Okay, this is one of the machines that he was he was trying to conduct. And th th these things are huge. Okay, and so. When he died, his brain was preserved and is still on display. You can you can look go see his brain, which is also I think a sort of like talismanic type of thing where you have the piece of somebody like skull and bones. You have the skull and bones of Geronimo because it works as a sort of talisman. Geronimo, Geronimo was magical. He was impervious to bullets. He could communicate very long distances. He was like the supernatural guy. So I think that's what they're t trying to tap into. You got to keep that in mind whenever whenever you see things like that. So we have here directly from his book when he was trying to summon the devil. And it goes on here, relations of ghost stories often circulate among children. He was put in this all boys school and also visit of visitations from the devil in a personal form. Of course, I shared the belief in my of my comrades, but still had some doubts of the existence of these personages, although I greatly feared their appearance. Once in conjunction with a companion, I frightened another boy bigger than myself with some with some pretended ghost. So he was trying to pretend to be a ghost and scare the other boy. And I believe it was by the accidental passing shadows of some external objects upon the walls of our common bedroom, etc., etc. So I might myself have been deluded by older persons and that after all, it might be a doubtful point whether ghost or devil ever really existed. I gather all the information. So he asks... I carefully collected from the traditions of different boys the visible forms in which the Prince of Darkness had been recorded to have appeared. Amongst them were a rabbit, an owl, a black cat very frequently, a raven, a man with cloven foot also frequent. And so he, he's asking these little boys and he is, he is right, uh, as I only desire to an interview with the gentleman in black simply to convince my senses of his existence. Right. So I resolved the attempt to raise the devil. And so when he's doing all this, he goes, OK, I'm going to summon the devil. So he writes about I then placed myself in the center of the circle and either said or read the Lord's Prayer backwards. This I accomplished at first with some trepidation and in great fear towards the close of the scene. I then stood still in the center of the magic and superstitious circle, looking with intense anxiety in all directions, especially at the windows and at the chimney. Unfortunately for myself and for the reader also, if he is interested in this narrative, no owl or black cow or an unlucky raven came into the room.
So I believe he succeeded and I have evidence to believe that he succeeded in summoning the devil. Okay. So mind you, this is the guy and I'm not even touching on ancient history and the connections of, the, of that follow the lineage of the computer from before this, who were involved with the occult. Okay. And technology. Leibniz, the, the father of binary code, wanted to encapsulate God. He wrote about monadology, about how everything had its own soul and how everything was composed of these monads, right? And the monads are the one, the source, right? Little lenses into other dimensions, essentially. And they wanted to break God down into a substance. And therefore, I think that's another type of homunculus because they wanted to bottle up this power, quite literally, into an alchemical vessel to be able to extract power from it. Okay, so these are guys that, the guy who invented binary code. Trithemius, the guy who invented cryptography. He also wrote about, he had a grimoire about uh, contacting, he influenced John D, which we're gonna get to John D here in a little bit. He influenced John D, and he had a grimoire on how to talk to angels and demons through the use of number. Okay, so I think this is what Pythagoras was talking about with the you know existence being numerological, right? Uh, uh, mathematical, right? When you when you think of angels and angles, well, I've heard accounts of people messing with Enochian magic where when they peek through on the other side, they see geometric figures, geometric entities, huge cones with fiery eyes. So it makes me think of that, angels, angles. So it's I, I believe that there's a connection there. You guys want to chime in? Yeah. Um, you were talking about... Uh... Charles Babbage, man, I was actually doing some looking over him over the past couple weeks, and he didn't just uh, try to summon the devil either. He actually tried to prove God by doing like a little ritual where he told God that, <laughs> hey, I'm going to leave this door open or closed, and if it's open, then it proves that you're there, right? The best part about it is when they interviewed him later, um, he said that it actually was open. He said he closed it, and when he came back, like it actually was open. So it's kind of funny. I don't know if that was just like a, a shot from God or whatever after mm. he's already sold his soul. But, no, it, it's it's very interesting, you know, everything about him. And you were talking about that ghost club too, man. Uh, some of the guys that were in that ghost club, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who was also part of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which uh, Alistair Crowley was also a part of too. So all these guys were in these like secret societies, and I thought it was funny that they're in this ghost club together, where they're it's like a pair, <laughs> quote unquote paranormal thing. It's like no, it's not, man. No. You guys are like worshiping Baphomet behind closed doors. That's what it's really about. But Babbage. Definitely, man, I think that his connection to uh, technology and the occult is absolutely there. And I think there's some sinister uh, possibilities behind the creation of the computer, too, and what it could be actually opening when it comes on, uh, when when we turn it on. Uh, you know, we talk about our screens being like portals and and uh, all that. Also, he was, and this is funny too about Babbage that I thought was really interesting. He was very, very intelligent, and he was at the top of his class. But because he pushed against the University of Cambridge 
and what they thought about God, because he basically wrote a thesis and it was against what they said God was. He said that God was more of a material agent than a spiritual force. And they basically said that he, he, it was blasphemy. He was accused of blasphemy. Um, even though he was at the top of his class, he didn't graduate with honors. <laughs> he didn't even get a degree. He actually basically like they let him graduate without a degree. But then he went on to create uh, the first computer and he was tied in with all these other uh, secret societies. And I think that's kind of part of it, man. If you look at anything um, in secret societies and these oaths and these things that you have to do behind the scenes, a lot of times there's a test that's given. And again, it's for the adept to figure out what it is that you're supposed to say and do, right? So uh, even in Freemasonry, there's certain things that if you say one thing, they'll be like, oh, man, good job, man, you did it. But you actually didn't do it because you didn't understand what that alchemy was that they presented in front of you and you should have gone left and if you went left which looked like the wrong answer it actually gets you deeper into the secret society and further up the ladder so there's a lot of that that goes on too and i almost wonder if him doing that in school was either a test or a test that he didn't know about and he passed the test whenever he pushed back and created this like blasphemous thing that they were like yep you did it man it's cool you're gonna have this little bit of shame this little bit of humiliation humiliation ritual and then you're gonna ascend and i think that's part of what that was interesting very nice what you guys got me thinking about because you guys talk about all this ghost club is just like i ain't afraid of no ghosts I ain't afraid of no ghosts, man. You know what I'm saying, man? Show yourself, <laughs> Keisha. Show- <laughs> <laughs> so you don't tell no ghosts. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> That's one of the most classic scenes right there, too. <laughs> Love that scene, bro. Oh, man. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you on that. Because, yeah, the other people in the club, and also I forgot to mention, he does cut himself too. He draws blood from his hand as mm-hmm. a little boy trying to again give up a blood offering. But yeah, that part of the little little test came out after the fact. After that, he had done that. He obviously didn't see that the devil had come by, and the the guys in the club with him were also very shady people as well. Again, with connections to occult ties. That's why I'm saying it's at the forefront. And let's not forget, right? I believe my personal opinion that the internet is another dimension it's a different realm and who created the internet cern and what is cern trying to do cern is trying to tap into what well, darpa <laughs> created the internet cern created the internet bro the world wide web was cern and what is because they they originally created to share information amongst peers okay among themselves and i guess they wanted to see what would happen if they gave people access to it, almost like a social experiment. So quite literally, right, DARPA with the uh, uh, MySpace or Facebook, whoever it was after that, after they, they ended the program of LifeLog, uh, LifeLog, right? The, right after they ended it, the other one has started up. It's like, and they put these people at the forefront. Look at, look at uh, what's his name? Zuckerberg. That dude's an alien, bro. That dude's 100% a Nephilim descendant of some kind. Maybe the lower ranking for 100% fact, but if you look at him, the only thing he's missing is him licking his eyeball, right? That During that Senate <laughs> hearing where he's... <laughs> You ready for that? I really want to see the... him and Elon go at it, man. I'm, for sure. I'm ready, but I think that's dude. I, that's a such we won't a see the real fight though. Mining like 
you know? We won't see the real fight because what's going to happen is they'll show us, like, the one fight that's just them, but then, like, in, the lights go, like, the lights literally go off. They go, un- like, a literal underground, and then they just go to their reptilian forms and just start, like, really <laughs> having at it. <laughs> Tearing each other's throats out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're healing at the same time because yeah. they're just regenerating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the next person that I have here, the Enchantress of Abstraction, Ada Lovelace. Right, she was the first programmer. She was a woman. And by the way, I want to say that the word computer is first used in a book from 1613 called The Young Man's Gleanings. And he talks about, right, they were referring to arithmeticians. And arithmeticians were people who were pretty much human computers. So it's funny how it comes full circle. They go from using humans to then kind of using this uh, circuitry and machine to now they want to fuse the two together, kind of like how I was saying before. So an arithmetician was back then like a human computer punching the codes. And we've all seen the movies where, you know, uh, operator, it's like connect me to so-and-so and they would take the, the thing and plug it into the other circuit to connect the call, right? That's old technology now. But again, it was a person back then. So Ada Lovelace, 1815 to 1852. Okay, let's keep that in mind. 1852, because that's an important thing for later on. We know that Babbage wrote a passages from the life of a philosopher in 1864. So she died relatively young. Now, English mathematician and writer, chiefly known for her work on Charles Babbage's proposed mechanical general purpose computer, the analytical engine. She was the first to recognize that the machine had applications beyond pure calculation and to have published the first algorithm intended to be carried out by such a machine. As a result, she is often regarded as the first computer programmer. Now, described her approach as poetical science and herself as an analyst and metaphysician now her father was like this great poet she was super rich babbage was also super rich his father was i believe in the gold in the gold business and when he died he left him the equivalent of like 15 to 20 million dollars at that time so the dude was set he didn't have to do anything but they have the time to dive into the mysteries they have the time to do the things these things that you very Crowley-esque on that bingo bingo exactly got the wealth and the time these elites man that's part of what they do that's part of why that they're able to delve into a lot of things that we don't because one they're taught to do it from birth that this is how that you need to carry on this bloodline or you know move into the occult you're the next generation that's going to get us further right so they're going to give you all the resources you're going to build on those resources and you're going to use those uh to tap into every single facet of the occult you can and you're right you when you got the time like that and then you've got the the uh push you know the family push or your peers are involved in these things you're going to do it and joel that's why this is why it's very important everybody take note because this is this is i'm about to drop some serious knowledge right now this is why everyone listening right now okay we're talking about these elites having the time and money this is why everyone needs to sign up for the patreons okay patreon.com slash the one-on-one podcast kill the mockingbirds.com right sign up as a member get all that good stuff to elevate our research game so we can 
help you fight these interdimensional crackheads, everybody. Okay, I'm trying to fight <laughs> fight the interdimensional crackheads, and they they need to be stopped. Okay, we got to save our Seven Elevens and our Circle Ks and our racetracks. Okay, so I'm just putting that out there. But she called herself a metaphysician, a programmer, and then check this out: a programmer hides all but the relevant data about an object in order to reduce complexity and increase efficiency. Okay, that's the definition of a programmer. Hides all irrelevant stuff, okay? They occult the ir irrelevant stuff in order to just give you what what you what you need. Uh, the, the user interface, simplest, clean user interface, okay? We're using this program right now, but we don't know what's going on in the background. So think of the occult like that, right? There are things in the background at work that perhaps you don't know how to tap into, but they do, okay? And they're able to use that to manipulate reality. So you have this Ada Lovelace, and she was very eccentric. She was super smart. I think she had like a like a crazy high IQ. I don't know the exact number. She was like super, super smart. And so Babbage wrote to Ada expressing his, admir expressing his admiration for her and famously described her as enchantress of number. Okay. And she was quoted saying, I believe myself to possess a most singular combination of qualities exactly fitted to make me preeminently a discoverer of the hidden realities of nature. That's a quote. She's talking about she has everything to discover a discover of the hidden realities of nature. Ada described herself to her mother as serving as the high priestess of Babbage's engine. Very interesting language you're using there. She was the high, she was the HP, Harry Potter, HP Lovecraft, HP Blavatsky. Manly P. Hall. She was the high priest of Babbage's engine. That's an interesting to say thing to say. It's almost like she's like the the key or in her sag or the Gaia of the machine. The feminine. Like I'm the right. Mm-hmm. hundred percent. Right. Exactly. So this is where it gets spicy, y'all. July eighteen forty three. I don't know exactly what day, but we might be doing it on the anniversary of it. July eighteen forty so it was July tenth. Sunday, July, Monday or Sunday, July 10th, 1843. She begins the letter. Because so her and Babbage, some people try to say that they were romantically involved. There are numerous, numerous letters in which they exchange with each other, just talking about their codes and they would present problems to each other and they would de debug their own code. Now, part of me wants to say that they were speaking in code. They were encrypting things because Babbage actually cracked one of Trithemius's ciphers, a famous cipher. He had cracked it, okay? So they, they're able to figure these things out. They're able to talk without talking, right? And if you read it, because all these letters are available to the public, if you read it, you're not going to extract the information from it, but they know what they're talking about. So in July 1843, she begins the letter with, I am working very hard for you. And this is her to Babbage in 1843. Okay, we know that he wrote... The Philosopher book in 1864. She goes, I am working, and quote, I am working very hard for you. Like the devil, in fact, which perhaps I am, unquote. So, this was before he wrote that book, okay? We know as a little boy, he tried to summon the devil. And here we have, right, his high priestess. Of his analytical engine or engine or whatever, 
telling him that she was working hard for him, which perhaps I am. Then, then she asked for some specific references and finally ends with, I want to be put in something about Bernoulli's numbers. And it's like a whole equation in one of my notes as an example of how an implicit function and babe, and this, this part also got to me, how an implicit function may be worked out by the engine without having been worked out by human head and hands first. Give me the necessary data and formulae. So almost like you're trying to extract information from this, from this engine, this computer, without having been, been worked out by human head and hands first. Almost like some sort of divination. Okay, And I might be reading more into it, but again, we, we, we have to take into account that these people were alchemists okay they were they're occultists they're working behind the scenes and they, they know how to occult and they're very smart people very high in society and she goes on to say this is the last quote here quote that brain of mine is something more than merely mortal as time will show and funny enough they have babbage's brain on display at two different colleges across the two different sides of the country from each other so again you have very interesting language that she's using and i'm going to pull up a picture this is the actual writing so i am working i can't read that uh so i am working very hard for you like maybe in fact i am right so again this is her writing july 10th 1843 i think that's a monday so these are you can access all their letters and in some letters they talked about dogs and a whole bunch of different things and i'm like well maybe they were talking in code to each other who knows right I think a perspective that we lose is why there's so much of this occultic activity. And part of that is because of these religious organizations, because when humans get power, they force author authoritarianism onto people with their beliefs, right? Forcing the ide ideologies like with the Illuminati, it started in bars and pubs because the Jesuits were under, had us all under control or humanity and, Catholics and so on and so forth and I'm sure throughout time tons of different religions and usually it's not just the religion it's not God I'm saying religion as in the gut that was the government back then you know I think religion and government is kind of like hand in hand and that's how they controlled people and then it's like they inherently made this push for people to go for this other like hey man we got to find something because God's bad right now look, look at these authority these people trying to control me with authority and now i gotta go to something else because god must be bad so in fact satan must be good that's how i feel like they kind of pushed people into that direction and, and and like joel says there probably was like you know a lot of infiltration that like led people that way but i think we forget that piece of the uh the picture where how did this start right like people just didn't wake up and be like hey you know what man i just kind of feel like praying to the devil man you, you want to and then they're like no because there was a force <laughs> that forced them to be pushed away from actual God and your soul. Because in my belief, when you were talking earlier about like shoving a thumb drives up your ass and, and becoming, you know, robotic human, I believe that's to kill the soul. Because I think the ultimate goal to conquer humanity is kill the soul. That's what they try and replicate too. They can, they can, they can make all the homunculus they want. But if they're not able to replicate the soul, that divine spark, which which God gives to us, I don't think they're they're dead in the water. That's why the golem, the golem is a cybernetic AI. You know, it doesn't have a soul. It doesn't. Feel, it's only programmed to do one thing, and it's going to do that. And, and we know we all know how that that ends. It, you know, mm -hmm. go Frankenstein's monster goes on a rampage and starts to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 
unalive everybody. So also, I think that you're not far off from the thumb thumbnail up the ass thing either, and I mean that in a serious <laughs> way because mm-hmm. if you know anything about these secret societies and a lot of the gay stuff that goes on behind the scenes with men, that you know that the occult, if you have sex with another man in his ass that he's supposed to achieve this next level of ascension. They actually cross over and they're able to talk to these entities when they do that. So why wouldn't it be like, Hey, the looser your cheeks are, the more you're going to be connected to these entities that are coming down. It's funny as a joke, but part of me, when you said it, I was like, they probably yeah. will have people uh, yeah. doing that and they'll yeah. be totally fine with it. Yeah, I call it Sodomic time travel. Don't don't Google that, by the way, anyone listening. What the hell are you talking about? It's called Sodomic time travel and it's, again, altered states of consciousness and I'm taking that from when Crowley was getting railed in the desert and was able to fight Charnzon in, in a vision that he was he was possessed by Charnzon, which is the the right the guardian of the abyss, I guess you could call him. Anyways, this is this was this is what brings me. I'm gonna go back in time a little bit to one of my favorite subjects and what I believe was some sort of again this technological thing in computer programming. A sigil is a symbol affixed to a variable name, showing the variable's data type or scope. There's also daemons in computers, and there's sigils in computer programming. A sigil is from. The Latin sigillum, meaning a little sign, means a sign or image supposedly having magical power. Sigils can be used to separate and uh, demarcate namespaces that possess different properties or behaviors. And there's such thing as techno-paganism. And also, I have interviewed the founder of a virtual mystery school. And I got a tour of the place. And at the very the very back end of the school they have a whole golden dawn set up whole altar with everything dagger chalice and everything in there where they conduct ceremonies okay so the idea of using right that we had apple as of recently uh, with their whole vr glasses type of thing they want to overlay a reality on top of our reality they want to right they, they want to do this whole homunculus all the way down with these vr goggles and they want to insert us into another dimension essentially is what it is but there are people technomancers or whatever you want to call it that are using this technology to augment and practice their magic their whatever their ceremonies etc cetera, etc cetera, and it works just as Anything would. I mean, if anything, it's better because you're in a different body or, you know, in an avatar. You can tweak that however you want. But I've been in a VR temple where they conduct ceremonies. And I've seen this firsthand myself. So, again, the idea of, oh, you know, technology and the occult. No, there's there's a connection there. And the next thing I want to talk about is Enochian. You guys have anything? Hey, let me throw something up on the screen real quick because you were talking about uh, uh, (laughs) tech. Tech sigils, right? Mm-hmm. You were just talking about that. Yeah. Uh, I got, I got something real quick. Hopefully, I can get it to come up. Well, you make, you make me stop, and then you're not even ready, Joel. Is this? No, I've got it. I don't there know if go. you guys can see it or not. There you go. Nice. Ooh. Yeah. So some of these symbols are kind of old, but some of them are still around. You've got like mm-hmm. Gmail, looks like the Masonic apron. You got the Apple Store. Both of these both look just like the Masonic Square and Compass. Facebook app, also Masonic Tubal Cane. Google Chrome, 666, 
That's just a coincidence, Joel. That's not you, freaking conspiracy theorist. GPS talking about the eye pyramid capstone. Um, just a couple of little things right here that I had. Uh, you actually just gave a good segue there when you said that. And I was like, yeah, I kind of want to show that sigil Lucifer, Google play. So yeah, they do this all the time. This isn't, this isn't something that they, that they do just because like that look cool. <laughs> like they, yeah. don't, they don't sit there and make these symbols look exactly like something in the occult. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, just just for jokes and games, man. It, there's a reason for it. And what happens when you're accessing these apps? What happens when you're accessing these quote-unquote portals? You yeah. know what I mean? We don't know. I, I agree with Sean completely. Uh, you know, oh, you don't agree the, with me? What your yeah. faith in God is that you, you okay. will obviously be able to – it won't affect you that way. But what about the average person that doesn't have that strong mind, that doesn't have – uh, that wherewithal to be able to to combat that because we you know we joke around we talk about sheep all the time but it's kind of true it's like lemmings right they don't even know what they're doing when they're doing it they're just following and when they're tapping into these apps and these and these sigils that they don't even know they're clicking on you know what are what entities are they giving access to them even in even in their sleep you know Sean we had uh, uh, Vicky on our on our show at Parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Where she was talking about, you know, people making packs with demons in their sleep and these dream states and these dream worlds. How much of that are we just giving them access to during the day because we're not strong enough to be able to, you know, push back against that in our everyday life? I'm glad you brought that up because when uh, Juan was talking about like avatars and stuff, and I've talked about before on the podcast about like dreams I've had. Well, this like past two weeks, I've been having like intense dreams. And when I wake up, it's like I got beat up, man. Like my jaw, like this, like the side of my jaws all messed up. The other last week I woke up, it felt like like my whole throat like your- was bruised as if I was like, like something was like, like, like I mouth? was fighting. Yeah, like I was being, <laughs> I was ghost raped. <laughs> was- Gagging on that ghost dick. <laughs> But I really believe that it, uh, with our minds, not every mind, but I think some of us that are like really trying to understand the world we live in, I think we can grasp a lot in dreams because I think that taps us into their world. And I think that's where we're really fighting the battle because we're just when we're in these meat suits or whatever we want to call it, we're just like thinking, oh, you know, the, the, the air, the wind, the rain, we're thinking of nature around us. We're not thinking about all the the spiritual warfare that we're at and when i have these intense dreams and like before i had that intense dream because i have like you know like a little shadow people i see every now and then but i had stopped seeing them and then before two weeks before i had it i saw this like this entity um and like i was like man i could sense it but i i just look up on those dudes up like, what's up dog like you know what i mean like hey, man, you, need to, you need to leave you need to leave because like i just feel like you can't be scared of them right like even though i'm joking i still like i just don't be afraid i'm like all right and when i but then when i've been went to sleep these last two weeks it's like man and, and these dreams are crazy like even it's to the point where you're waking up like okay what's reality and i think that if you get your mind to that point 
you could start seeing more of this in dreams. Now they're trying to implement that with the goggles so they could control it. But if we can control the dream aspect or that realm of where we're at, that's I think where the real battleground lies. Sean, I need you to show me on this doll where the ghost people are touching you. Are you sore anywhere else? It's okay. You can be you can be honest with me, bro. Are you sore anywhere else? You know? Say hurts? no to the butthole, okay? So yeah, my thumb drive's not gonna be a problem. Yeah, yeah, not compatible. You gotta flip it upside down sometimes, right? It's interdimensional. So my favorite Bible verse is for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So again, this idea of where sometimes you get too wrapped up in this materiality and there are things around. And I'm the same way as you, Sean. Like I've been having very vivid dreams as of lately and again I, i've had that what i call the the lingering effect but when i invoke the name of jesus christ i mean i'll be honest with you guys oh you know in the name of jesus christ i i command you to leave and again it's when you're oh because I, I believe that these books are portals to other places as well and when you're reading things that you know the darker aspects of the occult you might open up yourself to something else you know what i mean so it's always good to keep that and and be aware of that because it, it has happened to me on, on on that point, uh, Juan, I remember being a kid, and my dad's a preacher. He's still a preacher. And I remember there were books that he had in, like, a certain section, and they were all about the occult because, you know, he studied a lot of that stuff just to know how to combat it and, and what was really going on. He wouldn't let me read them until I got to a certain age. Like, I was actually able to take on board some of it, and then he would be like, you need to come talk to me about what this means, and I can kind of help you through that. He's like, because you do, accidentally, you can open up things without knowing it, and yeah, you can get attacked. And I think sometimes, you know, for me, uh, just in, in my personal life, man, from going from like a 180, basically trying to connect to demonic entities for a purpose that I wanted them to help me and me wanting that and me actually succeeding in doing that. And then to do a 180, man, there was probably a good six months, man. You talk about a battle, man, where it was like, shit's just going ape shit at the house. You know what I mean? Like my son's, you know, having trouble with stuff. Like my girl's having trouble with stuff. I'm not so much because, you know, I've just got a certain demeanor when it comes to entities, man. I was never really scared of them, even when I was on the other side of it. So like for me, it doesn't, but what they do is they try to pick off weaker people to, to attack you in a sense as well. So you got to kind of look out for that too, man. So, but I agree with you, man. Invoking the name of Jesus, man, always works. It just does. Uh, that's just one of my big calling cards to why I'm a Christian. So I'm like, Hey, that's the one thing that nobody can explain. Like it just works every time. So yeah. it just is what it is. But I do think that you, that dream world that you're talking about, Sean, absolutely, man. I have it happen all the time. And honestly, it's funny you guys said that. Probably the past couple of weeks for me, I've been having like some battle sequences in mm -hmm. my dreams, man, with like, you know, me fighting entities and being alongside people I know and then being like against the two. I don't know if it's premonition. I don't know if it's me actually in another realm having these like battles or whatever. But I do feel like that I'm coming out of it winning. You know, it might be a little beat up along the way, but I do feel like that I'm on the right team. But I do think that when these entities feel like you're moving into that positive arena where you're going to do battle with them, they don't like it, man. And they're going to find any way to attack you, even if it's not you directly. Yeah, cheeks yeah, might be a little sore, but it's all good, right? <laughs> yeah, <But> they, <laughs> they have to because they're trying to break people, right? The whole point is to break us to a point where we're, we submit. 
because they need, again, this portion of humanity to bow down, mm-hmm. to to be in fear. And that when there's more of people like us that are not afraid, like, and they know that we know what their, their uh, uh, not plans, but, you know, maybe goals or their intentions, they, they are more afraid of us and they want to invoke fear into us, hoping that we break and that we can go back to that herd. But we're never going to go back to that. So to me, I'm just like the only thing you could do is keep pushing forward. And I think we have these uh, dreams to like really prepare us for what is coming, like whether it be physical or flesh or after we leave into whatever is after this realm. Yeah. And I've been having dreams to the to the point where. I've been asking myself, I go, is the person that I'm, because I've been sober. So whenever I stop uh, smoking the devil's lettuce, I don't have, you know, I have more vivid dreams. And it takes a little bit to Mm -hmm. kick up after I stop smoking. So I intentionally stop smoking so I could have dreams because otherwise I don't remember them. And when they come back, they're just like a, like a freight train, just boom. And I've been having dreams with people that I know in, in, in real life. And I go, I wonder if they're having, if they're seeing me in their dreams as well. If it, we're in this other realm, this other dimension, and we're interacting because mm. it's super vivid. And I, and I could like my dream last night was super vivid to the point where I was like, I woke up and I could remember the entire thing. And I, and the dream ended when I woke up. Right, the 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 problem that I was having in the dream was solved, and as soon as I saw that, I couldn't continue because I woke up. So again, I don't know what it is, but I've been having that, and so. Yeah, I think that the dream state, this altered state of consciousness, is in the another realm, and I do think that these entities, similar to H.P. Lovecraft and all these, you know, other people of antiquity, and look at the Greeks, they had sleep uh, palaces and augurs and all these different things where people would go to, right? Morpheus, right, is the whole thing behind that. So they would have, they would go places where they would dream and they would collect dreams and all these different stuff. So the dream state is a real type of thing. Now, science will tell you, no, it's just your brain, just, you know, it's, it's, it's way of unloading information. Sure. You don't know. Hey, There's do no way about- because I, I smoke, you know, like I smoke daily and I still have dreams. And but well, I everyone's will say, not like you, Sean. Okay. You know, no, I know, but I, I, I you know, when I get the most intense dreams is if I'm drinking. Like drinking and falling asleep, I have the most. But uh, I will say that sometimes, like when they're getting the best of me and I wake up, I'll go back into the dream just to start hunt them down. I'll, I'll be like, man, I'm going to go back to sleep. You sure you, about you got- that? You sure about that? <laughs> you sure about that? You know? I didn't do fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ever have that where you wake up from a good dream? You're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go back. Oh, Sean, Sean, oh, go, yeah. Sean goes back and he's just like, I'm I'm coming for you, motherfucker. He's just oh, going out. Man, they got me pretty good. You know, they got some licks on me. I'm like, man, all right, bro. Like, but they show back. this in like the Stranger Things show mm-hmm. where the, where yeah. that entity would feed off in, in their dreams. And, and, you know, if they fell asleep. And that show that I that I told you about, Joe, the the audio show where they yeah, would, yeah. they would fall yeah. asleep, they would die. So again, this idea of the dream realm being another alternate dimension. What do you think about uh, sleep deprivation tanks? I know you've done them before. What do you Sen- think about sen- that? Sensory deprivation. Sensory bro. deprivation. Yeah, the sem- sensory deprivation tanks. What do you think about that? You've done them before. Does it does it tap you in to something like that? Um, you personally or because I heard ask for quite a few people. They'll go in those tanks, man, and they go, you know, I mean, look at Eleven. We were just talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> we were just talking about Stranger Things. I mean, that's how she would tap into uh, or ground herself into that world. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just curious what you think about that. You, you've actually done it before. 
Yeah, my f- episode number one of the one one podcast is sensory deprivation tanks, and it was with the owner of the of the sensory deprivation tank place here in my town. And I would say that at, initially you're not going to feel it. You 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 need to go at least more than five times. I would say five, six, seven, eight, nine times. You know, in in order to where. Because you need to get to a certain place when you're doing that type of stuff. It's, it's a sort of meditation. You know, you need to quiet the mind. You can't think of anything else while you're in there. And there's a reason why we're constantly bombarded with 5G, Wi-Fi, all these different things at once. And, and when you're in there, you're literally a floating head. Now, I've experienced some pretty psychedelic stuff in that, in, in the sensory deprivation thing. But I got there when I when I would know what to expect. So if you're going for the first three times, you're going to be nervous. You're only going to hear your heartbeat just wanting to beat out of your chest. You're going into essentially a cave, a womb, pretty much. And then you're going to be in there. Your mind's going to go everywhere for the first three or four times. You could do it for two, three hours. You're going to try and fall asleep. It's not going to do anything for you. And again, this is my experience. When I was able to go places and actually kind of have almost psychedelic trips, essentially, is what it was, it was when I had gone, you know, a handful, more than a handful of times. Okay. But I believe that in these places, right. How they say, if you lose your eyesight, your hearing gets better. If you lose your hearing, your eyesight gets better, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. By depriving your, your, your body of these senses, you only have one sense, right. And it's, and it's consciousness, your, your, your thinking power. So think mm-hmm. of that, think of an antenna and it's just amplified times 10. Cause there's nothing else your body can focus on. When you close your eyes, you're in complete darkness and you don't feel your body. The only thing you feel is your head because, but you start to blend together because the, the water and the, the temperature of the water is the same temperature as your body. So you don't know where your body begins and where it ends. So you become this blob and you become like this floating head kind of sort of, and you're able to, re- you're re- I'm telling you, you're really able to go there. And I've, I know people who take psychedelics on top of that. Yeah. I go, there's no way I'd be, I'd freak how you know because you're you're naked you know you're butt ass naked so the 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 entities have easier access for insertion okay so you you're there naked your balls hanging out everything and you're just a floating head where where one time i'm in florida i kept imagining myself going deep into like underwater and one of my biggest like fears is you know the dark spots on water where you can't really tell where it yeah. goes. What's in that dark spot? You know what I'm saying? Like what's there? So I kept imagining myself, because I, I like to go fishing in one of these lakes. Well, guess what's in these lakes, brother? Big ass gators. Okay, we're in Florida. So I kept imagining a gator inside the tank with me. And it doesn't end well for anybody because you can manifest sort of like these, you know, these, these ideas in there. So you got to take, you got to know how to really maneuver your mind and take it elsewhere, or you're going to go there and it's all just, just you and your inner demon sometimes. Okay. So the way that you can manifest things that you probably wouldn't want in the tank with you, you can go dark places in your head as well. So again, uh, I encourage everybody to try at least once, but if you're going to take it seriously, try and go consistently. And I always say, hour and a half to two hours you know and if they got a big boy tank which is like the 
you know, because they have like the nice clamshell one that's all white and stuff. Like, you know, go into the the coffin. There, there was there was one on the other on the place that I went to, and it was like there was like a really nice one, but then there was like a like a chamber where boom, you open it up, and it's like <laughs> yeah. a like a staring into like the abyss. You want that one because that's the one that's gonna really take you to that next level. But yeah, sensory deprivation absolutely works. And I want to try add, that for sure because if you had psychedelics, I, bro. Oh, it's going to be the closest I've gone to that because I've meditated a lot of times about two, three times uh, that I've meditated. I've gotten to this state uh, where like, you know, because your eyes are closed and you're starting to see like it almost starts looking like space and like it looks like things are moving. And what happened was but then I it would I would lose my concentration. But it's like I'm coming up from this murky water into this. And when you say stranger things, that's exactly what I pictured because I had these experiences before I even you know saw the show. And when you see that, it's like you're dipping into this other realm whether it's my mind or what but like i've only gotten to this point where i'm like kind of like peeking my head out into this murky water and then like i lose i lose the concentration and then it's like boom it's done and i can't get back so yeah. i would definitely want to try one of those yeah and any anyone listening yeah, episode number one of the one one podcast was uh, with the owner of the deprivation place so this is where your nipples are going to get hard, uh, Joel, because I'm, I'm going to go there. And I'm, I want to talk about Enochian a little bit. I'm going to show a picture real quick. This is what Enochian looks like. And then I just noticed here, 666. Six, six. Is 66 plus 672? 67, 66. It is. Wow. Okay. So whenever you see 72, it's related to 666. Anyways, this is the Enochian. This is from the Enochian Dictionary by Donald Laycock, I believe it is. And Enochian is an occult constructed language said by its originators to have been received from angels, recorded in the private journals of John Dee and his colleague Edward Kelly in the late 16th century. These journals also reference this to this to this language as celestial speech. Some would say glossolalia, first language of God, Christ, holy language, language of the angels, also referred to as Adamical. Because according to these angels, it was used by Adam in paradise to name all things. The term Enochian comes from Dee's assertion that the biblical patriarch Enoch had been the last human before Dee and Kelly to know the language. Now, was that evil Enoch or the Enoch that we know? Right? Who knows? We still do not know whether it is natural language or an invented language or if it is the language of the angels. Now, they have studied this, linguists have studied this language. It does have a structure to it. it. It's not completely made up. It is a real thing that works, okay? So it's not just some guy in, a, in somewhere created, no, no. It is artificially created. I mean, if you want to believe Edward Kelly and John Dee, but point being that it works, right? So the, the phonetics and everything else, the grammar, everything checks out. Essential if we were able, to believe that the script, like the angelical language, dated back to before the flood and was the most ancient script of mankind. So again, this is like some sort of language that Adam knew, right? Adamical, and that supposedly Enoch knew it and was the last person to use it. So how does this relate to computers? Well, this is part of John D's magical journals. For those that want to check this out, Sloan manuscript number 3191. And I don't know the actual page number, but this here is a grid. 
And this is why I believe the Cartesian coordinate system is a, is a sort of way of manifesting, manifestation, really stepping up and pushing the boundaries of manifestation. Because when they added the Cartesian coordinate system, which was given to Rene Descartes during a series of dreams, again, back to this idea of the dreams being an altered state of consciousness, he was presented the idea of the Cartesian coordinate system through dreams. Now, this is kind of grid-like. Right? This is around the 16th century, be around Descartes' time. I don't know if it came first or second. That's besides the point. But this was a way of extracting names of the entities that they were interacting with. So these squares would be filled with either numbers or letters. And this, is, this was a way of them extracting the names of the guardians of the ethers or interacting with various entities. Now, this has a very striking resemblance to a circuit board. If you really look at it, so it's side by side. Now, again, to that idea of these extraterrestrial entities. And one of the really interesting aspects of John D. and Edward Kelly was that they were they were interacting with what, what I would consider Pleiadian entities. Some of their descriptions were very Nordic-like, kind of, sort of. And I've, trust me, I've read, I mean, I'm going to flex on you guys here real quick, but I got this huge, <laughs> I got this huge three volume complete set of John D and Edward Kelly's magical seances. Okay. I have all the charts, all the chants, all everything in this huge freaking tome. And I've studied the John D and Edward Kelly story. Cause it's, it's like, it's a movie. I wish they would make a movie out of it. It's, it's just crazy. And they interacted with beings that were very geometric in, in shape. And it reminds me of H.P. Lovecraft when he's in, you know, his characters are in these alternate dimensions. And it talks about how an obtuse angle, you know, it's an obtuse angle, but then it, it you know, it's not quite obtuse and an acute angle that isn't quite acute. So it's like this architecture that is constantly changing. And the definition of chaos magic is, right, you would think chaos, order out of chaos. No, 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 no. Chaos in chaos magic which uses sigils is organization beyond your comprehension. So organized that you can't even begin to comprehend how organized it is. That's what it means. It doesn't mean, oh, it's all scattered all over the place. No, no, no. It's so organized that it would drive you insane. So they interacted with entities that were very geometric, right? They, they, they described them as huge cones with fiery eyes, carrying a stick, some of them would fight each other, right? The visions they were having, he would one would punch the other and tell him, hey, what are you doing here? And then they would lie about each other. Oh, did so-and-so tell you this? Oh, don't tell so-and-so I told so uh Ga don't tell Gabriel Michael told you this. Right? And they would share things with you. It was it's again such a psychedelic story that's highly slept on that nobody really talks about. But they were interacting with again through this system. What was John uh, what was Crowley using? What what does the Golden Dawn use? A form of Enochian. Okay. Crowley was able to speak to these entities on their side through the use of Enochian. What was Jack Parsons using? Enochian. So this system, I've heard it referred to as one of the more powerful and more dangerous systems because you're giving these entities a physical medium in order to interact with. And when you start to, you know, get into that realm of amulets, talismans, and giving these like the genie in the bottle. Right. Well, the story goes, oh, the genie comes out and he grants you three wishes. So how many do you want? I want three more. No, you can't do that. It's like, no, no, there are things that 
aren't going to be nice to you. Okay. And they don't want your wishes. They want your soul. Okay. And this is where I think, right? CERN worldwide web was created by a Tim Berners Lee. And what are they trying to do? Trying to tap into other dimensions. Now, what business do you have, right? The people who created the internet also trying to tap into other realms, trying to find the Higgs boson or whatever is other, you know, oh, if it's got a different mass, we know we tapped into a different dimension. It's like, what the fuck? Like, what are you on? Well, they've supposedly found the God particle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a couple of years ago, uh, Gary, Gary Wayne said something really cool uh, a couple of years back, man, where he said that the God particle is not what they're really looking for. He said they're looking for a specific particle um, that's going to be able to merge with humanity and be the ultimate form of transhumanism. That's going to be what he considers to be the mark of the beast, what people will take um, as a form to transcend their own DNA. And it will be, you know, almost godlike um, to people to be able to do that, or at least at least the at least it'll be uh, given to us in a way that we think that's what we're going to go to, right? So, but I think that they're they haven't they haven't achieved exactly what they want to achieve. They've supposedly found this god particle, but that's not really what they're looking for. I think they're looking for something a lot yeah. deeper. And to to wrap up the John D uh, aspect of it, the Nokian aspect. I just showed you a sliver of the other stuff that they have. So they had an entire system of tablets. They had fur- ceremonial furniture. And again, it was very computer-like. So it was sort of like the first computer. And then they had the crystal ball in the center of everything from where they could look and see these visions coming through. Now, we played a little bit, a little clip of Geordie Rose at the very beginning, who he's talking about summoning things into this dimension. Now, he also talks about how he was at the front of one of these D-Wave computers, which is, pull it up here, the D-Wave, right? It reminds me of John D. But the D-Wave computers, essentially these black cubes, there's also Kindred AI. And the processor of these computers is cool to like way below zero to like absolute zero, really, really low. And he was talking about on one of these videos where it emits this thumping sound, like a bum, 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 bum. Like almost like a heartbeat. And he said it felt like being at the altar to an alien God. Okay. This is what he described it as. Now, let's talk about a little bit about the supernatural aspect of it. And then look, check this out. This is from like their promo. Kindred's mission. This is Kindred AI, which is was also led by Geordi Rose. Kindred's mission to be the first human level AI. We are hiring. And then they slash this out demonologists, software engineers to join. So they're, they're like leaning in to this, this aspect of the, you know, the demons. And they were, they were talking about how he, re- he was talking about how people were blaming him for the Mandela effect, like the, his company. And he addressed it and everything he talked about. It. He's like, oh, people are talking about us. But point being, so essentially what John Dean or Kelly were doing was what I believe a form of technology that was presented to them through these fallen angels, right? Or these demonic entities, whatever you want to refer to them as in order to scry and look into other dimensions. Now, the idea of a computer being able to achieve and open up a gateway or a portal, like how CERN is trying to do into another dimension, how they've shown in the Spideyverse, how they've shown in stranger things where they rip open the, the portal and the demons come through. Now, Google, there was a time where they were they were having they were fighting for 
computer supremacy in the quantum realm of things. And they had a computer called the Sycamore. Okay. And of course, me being me, I always got to look into what they're talking about. Well, the Sycamore tree in mythology is a tree that represents the linking of the world of the dead and the world of the living. Okay. In mythology. That's the occult symbolism behind that tree, the sycamore tree. Now, that's what they named their computer. Now, it's <laughs> interesting. This is obviously by Vice, which you know is owned by Soros, whatever. <laughs> but point being, Google's researchers create tra traversable holographic wormhole using quantum computer and new study. This was December 1st, 2022. Okay. And then can quantum computers really create wormholes? Sensational wormhole claims are unfounded. Couple days later, almost like, hey guys, you kind of dropped the ball. Don't be releasing this information out to the public. Let's go ahead and just say that now nah, they're sensationalizing it. It's not true, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Which I don't think it's not not true. You know what I'm saying? I, I do think that there is a possibility, and the sorcerers of the subconscious put this out into the airwaves they put this out into these movies and they program our subconscious to believe these things like stargate and the whole portal and all that stuff and one more interesting connection i think that these guys reincarnate and i think that they they have found out a way you know the the homunculus aside i think that they found a way to we talked about at the beginning how charles babbage had his brain split into two and put on display well, I think that these occultists, part of alchemy was, again, achieving the magnum opus and stepping outside of reality. Now, you probably can't take your body. I think that immortality is not what we've been taught. And I think that these, these people, if they are people, they work in different ways. And at CERN, there is a guy named Jack Parsons. Okay, so kind of sort of uh, continuing what he was doing you know, in, in history, continuing it today. And this is a, a real guy. You can look him up, Jack Parsons, that works there. Or John Parsons, I'm sorry, which is Jack Parsons' real, original name. But then to kind of piggyback off of the John D. and Edward Kelly, how they were scrying and how people talk about our phones being modern scrying mirrors. There's this particular guy, which I probably should do a deep dive on this guy, but this guy, Michael Crowley Milling. Right. And in 1947, just for shits and giggles, he had another Crowley to his name for whatever fucking reason. Michael Crowley, Crowley Millings, because he didn't have enough Crowleys in his name <laughs> in 1947. But what's special about 1947? Well, 1947 is the year that Crowley died. And what's so special about Michael Crowley, Crowley Milling? Well, he worked his way up the CERN ladder to become first of the division head in 1977 and then a member of the CERN directory in 1980. He was awarded medals, et cetera, et cetera. But what is he really known for? He is perhaps best known as the person who helped invent the world's first computer touchscreens. Mm. So we have this guy. Hey, don't forget Roswell was also 1947. in 1947. Yeah. And that is when, you know, we supposedly had contact Bro. Uh, with these, these fucking beams shades, though, dude. And yeah, technology man. spiked. Lizard right or not? Too. What do you guys say? Lizard person, not lizard person? Anyways. Meat suit. This guy. Total meat suit. This guy has invented. He's a sack. 
He's a sack. Well, see, that's why I think that, like, technology is catching up to the plan. Because I think you can only, I think a human suit only lasts for so long. Homunculus had their, you know, they they had their flaws. Look at this dude's page, though, bro. The digital homunculus. And I've tried to find books on him and nothing. Dude, nothing. This guy's not even real. This guy's not even a real person, bro. Look at this. Born in in May 7th, (laughs) North Wales, family of da-da-da. Both Michael and his younger brother, et cetera, et cetera. And his brother was uh, some guy in the army or something or other. And look at this. Computer control monitoring systems for new accelerators. So almost like if they came back from the dead to continue what they wanted to do, which was bring forth the Ragnarok and the apocalypse, which is exactly what John D. and Edward Kelly were being told to do. The reason that the angels were talking to them was in order to bring forth the apocalypse and bring forth the end of the world. And the angels were like, hey, guys, keep... D- All right, you got to swap wives now. You guys got to you guys got to cuck each other. And then we're going to reveal to you the secrets of the universe. So what are you willing to give, Sean? Are you willing to give up those cheeks, baby? To, to, I'm going to show you unattainable knowledge, brother. I'm, t- yeah, I'm talking about bad. the top of the, the top of the food chain knowledge, dude. Just got to give but what up if those it cheeks. Sucks? What if they just trick you, though? You know what I mean? Like, you're well, like, that's what oh, happened, man. bro. Gave all this up for what? Exactly. Just flapping in the wind now. Exactly. John Edward Kelly took John D's wife money, went on to work for Rudolph II, went on to become one of the greatest alchemists of all time. Meanwhile, John D was over here with King James, the lame ass King James that hated his guts. And what happened to Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard? Well, L. Ron Hubbard stole his girl, his, his wife, too. Stole a boat and stole almost all his money. So it's like history repeats itself. Okay. Uh, you have Crowley talking about how he was the reincarnation of Edward Kelly. But he also said he was the reincarnation of, of a sleeve eye. So that guy's probably full of shit. But point being, what I believe is happening here. And it's just, it's very specific things out there. Right. The touchscreen computer. That's a, that's a black scribe mirror right there. You know, in the, in the, the 1940s, why would you ask? Why? 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 You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you add another curly unit? I'm just saying it's interesting. And then one of the things, one last thing here, the about his private life, which I found interesting because, again, we might be looking a little bit too much. His great hobby was the refurbishment of a 1931 Alfa Romeo, right? So a car, so these cars. But if you look up the 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 logo for the Alfa Romero huh what is this hold on let me see here let's look up the logo oh what the fuck mm. yo is that a serpent with a with the cross <laughs> a cro- and is that a dude in its mouth what the is that an airplane yo what is it look at this look at it. it's, a, it's like a oh man look at that they don't want us to see it here they caught it <laughs> bro what is what is what is that bro is that a person what is that? That's completely a person right there. Is that the Knights arms. Templar flag? Looks like it to me. Nah, look at that. Come on. You can't make this up, man. You can't make you can't you can't make this I I, I literally can't make this up. Look, like it's literally right here in front of us. Is that little baby Jesus? So again, I mean you have the book of Revelations with the great beast. We're talking about Crowley, who was the great beast. Six, Almost six, looks six. like a crown right there as well, right? It like, is a crown, yeah. Right. Yeah. So the great beast. Again, I, listen, I'm sound like a schizophrenic. I don't know what you guys think, but 
I think that the occult and technology go hand in hand. And these are some of the pieces of the puzzle in which I can present to people as information that there well, may be when they're interacting. And, and and not only that, but the, the original 72 emojis, 72 mm-hmm. keys of Solomon, goetic magic, right? And the way that those emojis are handled is very, very suspicious. But point being, to, to sum it all up, is that when you're tapping and you're using these technologies, yes, you can obviously, it's like the force, you can tap into it and use it for good, how you can use it for evil. And we know that the, the internet is a very, very dark place. But point the, the most important point here to take from this is that when you're using something and you don't know about it, you don't know what you're continuing for these occultists. What type of energy, what type of message, what type of whatever you're continuing, the legacy you're pushing from these people, which is what people, which a lot of people want to ignore, which is fine. But you got to understand that the people who were behind all of this were not good people. You know what I'm saying that they they were, they probably had ulterior motives. Now I'm not gonna say that they were all bad because I don't know these guys, but Crowley wasn't a good guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you were involved with him, you're probably a piece of shit too. So even though he did try to rebrand there at the end of his life, he <laughs> <laughs> tried to turn it around, bro. He tried just, to pull a Rockefeller at the end, yeah. and it was like, "Hey guys, I'm not that bad." I'm okay. but 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 part of me, Joel. I go, is it real? Because all these occultists, all of them, Austin Osmond Spar, you have Kenneth Kenneth Anger, you had uh, Kenneth Kenneth Grant probably too, Alistair Crowley. I think that Thelema, I, I posted one time on Twitter, Thelema is the, the meth of the, of the occult world because it <laughs> rots people from the inside out. And I go, if it was real, don't you think that they would die better off? A lot of them die penniless, alone, drug addicted. Speaking right? of that, I uh, I got a little uh, little connection with Project Echelon and Tesla and Crowley, as a matter of fact. So Sean and I just did an episode a couple weeks ago about the Five Eyes Project Echelon. But when we were looking over some of this stuff, Coming into this episode, I was digging around and I'm like, wait a minute. So it's the cult stuff that I missed the first time because the last time I tied like the Nephilim into it. And this time I was digging around and I was like, wait a minute. There's like some occult stuff going on here, too. And it basically ties uh, Men With Hill UK, which these are two uh, big intelligence bases that were created as part of this Project Echelon. This and Pine Gap Australia. Australia. And Pine Gap Australia was built in 1966 to mirror uh, what was going on in Menwith Hill, UK. And even like the latitude longitude, it's like a straight line from the two. And they've said that the line creates this frequency of 60 hertz between both of the bases, which is the frequency at the time that the U.S. was running off of was the 60 hertz. So the more that you start digging into it, you realize that there was more to it because they were Pine Gap, Australia. They dug it five miles and then 5.3 miles down. They said it had to be exact this particular depth because it had to hit this certain hertz to do that. Well, 
when you start digging into the Tesla world system, you know, what, what was Tesla trying to do? Uh, Tesla was trying to create a world system where everything was connected underground. As far as frequencies go, you, you'd be able to call somebody using the earth to do it. Right. So the tie here is George Sylvester Varick. And he was like a Nazi sympathizer, but he was a poet. Uh, he was born in Munich, Germany, and he moved to the U.S., but he was friends with Tesla and Crowley. So it was really odd combination because Tesla and Crowley are complete opposite ends of the spectrum, at least on the front that you would see. So it was super It was super interesting to get into this because Varick was... There's a connection very to much, be made, Joel, by the way. Right. And and Verrick was very uh, much like Crowley as far as like all the sex magic and, and, and loving the opioids and drugs and all that where Tesla wasn't, right? So he kind of had these two worlds that he was in. Well, if you know anything about Crowley, Crowley spent some time, time in the States too. He was a uh, secret agent or what they think was a secret agent. Um, for the UK, he came over. He acted like he was a German Germany sympathizer. So, you know, he was pushing a lot of German propaganda in New York. That was kind of his big thing, and he was really tight with Verrick during that time. Well, during that time, also in New York, Tesla was also there, and he had the Tesla Tower, the Wardenclyffe Tower, that was there as well. Well, apparently during this time, it said that Crowley and Tesla connected through this Wardenclyffe Tower. And they said that Crowley was using the tower to get information back to the UK. Now, this isn't verified, but there was a lot coming out about that because there wasn't any actual documented meeting between these two, but it was really weird that Verrick was super close to both of them. Now, again, it could be like, You've got one friend that's on the opposite end of the spectrum as mm-hmm. another friend, and you're just not going to have a meet because you know it's going to be like... Like your friend is Sean. Not- I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't like Sean that much, but then you're still my <laughs> friend. So it's like, yeah, I get, I get it, bro. I get it. So it could be like that, but I think there's something deeper there because I do think that Tesla uh, was way more into the occult. But he was tapping than- into... He was say, he was he said he was talking to entities too. It's not the Black Knight exactly. satellite and all that stuff. And remember, exactly. he was in a secret society with uh, um, what's his name, the other inventor, the guy Edison. that stole. Edison. Yeah, Edison. Yeah. They were yeah, like they so, were. and they were supposedly mortal enemies. But again, who's writing history? Yeah, right, yeah. right. And I think that Crowley and and he did link up. And we're talking about Tesla World System. You're talking about the uh, the Vedic concept of Akasha mm-hmm. and you know single energy information field. You know, you're talking about the ethereal fluid. Pervading the cosmos. So if you've got if you've got Tesla trying to tap into this world system that he's creating using this Tesla tower, why wouldn't Crowley want access to that too? And this ties back into this Echelon project because essentially that's what they did. They created this Tesla world system, but for evil. And I don't necessarily think that Tesla was great either, but I think that with this Echelon project that they created this Tesla world system uh, tapping into this ethereal magic. 
And that's what they're using. And I, again, this is also connecting to what you're talking, you've been talking about too, Juan, connecting that into the internet, connecting that into the waves, what we're soaking in our bodies, this radiation, all that's all connected to this, man. And that was just a weird correlation. You were talking about Crowley earlier, and I was doing a little research about this, and I was like, and who knows man, what that so is to weird. our dreams, too? Like, we right? leave our routers on at night, so what is that doing to our bio? If, if, they said that it could split, like the certain frequencies can split water molecules, right? What does that do to us long term? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, you see those frequencies with like water on a table and yeah, what cymatics. it does. So it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely does something. I kind of go back to like what Joe's always talking about, and I, I don't always subscribe to it, but like how he talks about a lot of the older technologies. Yeah, I don't well, subscribe what to if, that You know, all that stuff like what the older technologies was wiped out and they had their like – everything good now they're rebranding it now they're like mm-hmm. okay we're, we're back to this point where we can harness that same thing we had millions of years ago and i think that the ai and that that's to me the only way that ai is the whole development of it is to harness entities because mm-hmm. homunculus could only last for so long you could you know be reincarnated but you're still the flesh yep. the, to be immortal is this digital realm, which may be something totally different than we understand. Like you were saying, Juan, like it's something that's not in our brain to really like put the pieces together. We, we know how a computer works, but we don't understand what it really is. We, I mean, that's the reality. You, you know how to use it. You can operate it, but whenever it breaks, you know, when your plumbing goes out, you call a plumber. When you're, when you're whatever goes out, you call an electrician. If your electricity goes like, you don't know how, how it works. You know what I'm saying? So, and the Tesla and the Crowley connection makes sense to me because you have Crowley who did the Cairo workings and he got in touch with Iowas that way. Well, allegedly the Wardenclyffe Tower was designed after the pyramids with the ducks underwater and uh, with the water underneath of it. And supposedly Tesla, Tesla was obsessed with the pyramidal shape. So it's like mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, maybe Crowley sounds like I want it in my butt. And then they couldn't put it in the butt. So he got this <laughs> But point being that, yeah, I think it's all, I think, I think how Donut said on my show the other day, you know, portals, buttholes, and Kenneth Grant, you know what I'm saying? Like, because <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth Grant talked about these alternate dimensions and accessing all that. So, I mean, that, and he was a, a, a Crowley fanatic, you know what I'm saying? So these guys were definitely resonating on another frequency, quite, maybe quite literally, and they again might have been in touch with things through the use of the techno the occult technology that they had at the time and then maybe if they found a way to project their consciousness outwards right and possess somebody else and right what would possess you to add another crowley to your name or you know i'm saying like okay who knows again influence through these alternate places that they that they bragged about i mean they talked about scrying into other aethers and i i think i believe that Crowley, being the great guy that he was, this is a a personal idea of mine, that he offered human humanity up when he was possessed by Toronzon. Because right after that, World War I popped off. And what a better sacrifice than a ton of people after World War I. And then after that, right, you had the Great Depression. Then after that, you had World War II. You had the whole atrocity of, right, what we know what happened during World War II, right? Can't say that stuff, but we know what happened there. So this mass ritual, if you will, 
who knows what kind of pack he made with that kind of non-stop really because if you think about it after it snowball World War one it's been yeah it's been war after war after war after war so what if again this occultist offered up the war then now you have this guy at cern who quite literally has put right hit i'm sure his innovations have led to this that we have in our hands so now he's literally in our pocket at all times and what is that same corporation trying to do trying to open up wormholes and portals and and buttholes everywhere to let the demons in yeah yikes (laughs) (laughs) it's not a not looking good for our team bro you know you know in dragon Ball Z, find out what happens on the next they drag out a fight scene for fucking 15 episodes and you're just glued to the screen like what's gonna happen it's just like no, the Joel's worst face. about dragon ball z though is after you got like through a saga then it was like goku drives learns to drive goku like, was oh, doing the the turning into a super saiyan for three fucking episodes straight <laughs> bro you, were you guys ever kids in the shower trying to turn into a super saiyan no. Nah. Just me? Okay. Whatever. Okay. All right. Well, you guys, You're on me either. I'm trying to turn into a... <laughs> Try to turn into a damn Super Saiyan as a grown-ass man. Uh, Sean, don't lie. It's okay. You can talk to us, bro. We're here for you, man. It's okay if you do that. You don't do, like, Naruto in the shower or anything like that. And, 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 talking to himself, doing fight scenes. But, uh, not a funny, but, like, on in reality, though, when... Like I shower, like I think of it as like washing off all the negativity, man. Like just like re- rejuvenating, coming back, like off the game, you bro, <laughs> or masturbating, whatever you call it. You know. <laughs> it's like I'm washing the sin, and he starts gets the soap or whatever. All right, all right, all right. Let's be serious, guys. These, these guys, these are serious topics. We got to put some respect on these serious topics names. Okay, all right. We're, yeah, we're there's some this. nasty comments coming through right now. I don't oh really yeah. Come. I don't give a fuck, Keisha. Show yourself. So uh, a lot of butt stuff and nipple stuff on this episode. So I'm sure some people not happy. But oh, yeah. very yeah. homoerotic. You know, I can't stand the homoeroticism, <laughs> well, the but I love the episode. With this one, right? <laughs> well, I mean, but we got to understand that it's part of the occult. I mean, these are these are the uncomfortable. We're gonna have the uncomfortable conversations for yes. you, people. Okay, so we're gonna talk about the the things that you might not want to talk about, and we're gonna do the dirty work for you. Okay, so Sean might have had his cheek clapped by an interdimensional entity, and it's okay. <laughs> he's gonna tell us what it's like. Okay, <laughs> how else will we know? It's like scary movie when the when the ghost. And the chick. Yes. <laughs> that was Sean. He's like, I just woke up and I was just, I just had a cramp. I just had a cramp. And my, and my you ever seen hurts. that movie with Seth, with Seth Rogen, the one, uh, End of the World? Uh, this is the end. This is the end. That's it. Yeah. Oh my God, man. That's when, the one uh, with Jonah the other. Hills, with the. Uh, when Jonah Hill's in the bed and the devil comes for you him. You know what's one that's kind of interesting because I just found out about it. I didn't even know it existed. My nephew's favorite song is some like alien song. He's like three years old. It's like some alien song from this movie called Zombies 3. I guess there's like three of them. They're like a Disney show. So like he started watching. I was at, I was at my brother's and he was like, it's crazy, man. It's like these zombies that have to wear these wristbands. So they don't be like, uh, so they don't eat people. You know what I mean? Like they're they're good and they're what? mixing with humans. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't even know it was. A th- it's on Disney Channel, bro. Like I didn't even know it was the whole thing. I just found out about this. Like I was like, what? So I kind of want to like explore that later to see what what that all because it looked very occultic. If you guys get a chance, oh, sure look at it Zombie. It's like pretty occultic. Interesting. Well, 
that that was all i have you guys have anything else i mean i thought this was pretty good i think that yeah no it was a great episode well what are we gonna do next uh we're, do, we're having a guest next time or yeah we're doing the uh the, the rodney the the lord petty uh <laughs> run through he's gonna come on the show <laughs> And we're literally gonna hit him gonna with the wildest up. stuff. We're gonna light him up. <laughs> Homunculus, Nephilim. We're gonna come with like the goods, and he's just gonna give his like honest take on what he feels about all of it. We're gonna. So we're gonna. I'm gonna give you the whole load today. I <laughs> <laughs> take the whole. You gonna take this dick? Have you seen that movie? You gonna take? You gonna take this dick? <laughs> That, that's like uh, all the occultists of all time. Like they just want to shove dicks in your face like the whole time. It's like you're gonna take. I do this. feel that? That's exactly yeah. what it is. It's like watching Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm probably gonna censor some dicks for for YouTube because we're gonna get flagged. But RSS feed is gonna stay raw, baby. So <laughs> you can find me anywhere you if you want to hear more dick jokes, nipple jokes, one on one podcast, TJ. OJP.com if you want to hear about dogman dicks. Okay. If you have a story, uh, if you've seen Dogman's penis, shoot me an email. The one one podcast at gmail.com. I'm I'm conducting some research, okay? And I'd I'd like to know. Boys, you guys want to sign off? <laughs> yeah. Uh find us at killthemockingbirds.com. You can find us on Instagram, kill the mockingbirds podcast, Van Tesla Music, Instagram for myself, Sean Chris Music for Sean. You can find Joel Thomas or Sean Chris on any streaming music platform. Anything else, Sean? Uh, I didn't get raped by a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you said it. You were sore. I ain't make it. came straight from you. That's going to be the intro. My mouth was a little sore, and I woke up like I got beat up. <laughs> I got beat up, bro. All right, come on, bro. You can't backpedal now, dude. Come on, you got to take the whole thing, bro. You got to, you got to accept the consequences. Sean. You got it. You got it. You can't be saying shit like that around me and Joel, okay? Especially me. All right, just, just a heads up. <laughs> so, killermarketbirds.com. Sign up as a member. patreoncom slash the podcast. And we'll see you guys on the next one. This was fun. And bye bye. Peace. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> that go. Yeah. That go. Okay. Mm. King Mega rack up the fine candy. Nick across the throat. Mm. Marcus Candy. Body never seen again. Jamba name Ramsey. In the life before it starts. Hand him a plan B. Haters sleeping on me. Brutus Beefcake. Party's whack flow, where the fuck is my rebate? Plenty of dope in the briefcase. Jewish lawyer on retainer, it was a briefcase. <laughs> I ain't playing, I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper, I'm just saying. Drunk on a Suzuki, shooting out stars. Turned Griselda to Selena, you'll land us out of all. Swimming in the ocean, surrounded by sharks. Nothing but Donnie Brasco's, we call them Nars. Nah, they call them fourth and inches and straight punting. Stone cold, no competition, we stay stunning. Blunted on a podcast, Joe Budden. Animatronic clone rappers, Teddy Ruxpin. Another horror story back from the days of glory. Take big shots, Mr. Clutch, Robert Ori. Fruitcake Mafia, Pump the Diddler, Citizen.
watch him mimic the minister Rowley rituals, 360 deals, no residuals Black magic, dark arts, sigils Condition critical, human sacrifices Candlelight visuals Chills fly when we cock back Detroit drive by the jet black scat pack Back, back Y'all ain't gangster, but your baby's kids When our west side guns pop off, no need for At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.